0: Love Life. Featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light.
1: I commit to the growing and understanding of myself. Welcome to Love
0: Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And today we're going to be talking about depression, which... It actually, seems like Jane. We should have talked about this ages ago. It's such a massive. I can't believe talk. we
1: haven't oh, done no. this.
0: I'm like, oh my. Jane suggested. It. I'm like, oh my god, we haven't touched on <laughs> depression. But everyone's depressed. The entire Western world is on medication. It's the quickest thing for doctors to pull out the minute you go in and say, "Well, I've been feeling a bit flat lately." And before you know it, you've got bags of pills in your pocket that you're taking home to pop. My grandmother, God bless her. If I just go a bit personal in the intro here. When you're a kid, you don't really question what people are. You just kind of accept it as normal and on you go. As an adult, I look back and I'm like, whoa, she was a walking zombie. She was one of those classic housewives of the 1950s and 60s who was valiumed and drugged up to the eyeballs by well-meaning doctors because housewives were so bored and purposeless. And she just was so drugged that she really didn't have much of a personality. She was kind of just a quiet, sweet lady moving quietly about the home. And I look back and I just thought, oh, she was just really meek and that was just her. And I remember all the little bottles of pills she used to have in the middle of the dining room table and she'd pop them with breakfast, lunch and dinner. And it wasn't until literally I was in my twenties or late twenties that one of my parents made some off the cuff reference to, oh yeah, you know, grandma used to, with all of the pills she used to. And I, I suddenly put two and two together. I remembered all those little pills and I remembered her personality and I went, oh my God, she was so drugged. I might never have met the real her. You know anyway, there are a lot of people right now and we know there's a lot of children being born who are extroverted from different galaxy souls. They are just made of stardust. these kids you can 't put them in boxes. The best words we possibly have to describe them are on the spectrum as autism, other things ADHD. High sensation seeking, all these kinds of terms which doctors are scrabbling to put them in boxes. We can't label these kids. Most of them don't even require labels. They just are new souls. And what's happening? We're medicating the hell out of them. We're suppressing them, all that wayfarer stuff that what's his name talks about? Who's yes, that guy? Oh, I love it. The
1: Wayseers website. So uh, W A Y S E E E R dot org yeah what's who's that? What jump are, on um, and have a look he's got a 10 minute youtube clip and you can actually also read the words to it he fights for those kids he it's fights amazing. he talks about
0: what would have happened if einstein and i can tell you i've read before einstein who was obviously so bright and incredibly over intelligent for his age when he was little the primary school teacher marched him back home to his mother in the little village and said i refuse to teach this boy he's retarded you know, this day and age, what would they do with a kid like that? Oh, They'd probably rub it up to, the, up to the eyeballs. And then we wouldn't have had the theory of relativity. M equals MC squared, and I don't know anything about maths. Anyway, we're talking about depression today because, like as not, some of you listening are on it means that energy cannot
1: be created nor destroyed, but it
0: can be changed. That's right. And that's actually what our whole show is about. Well, that's that's is it, Jane. Um, many of you listening today will be on antidepressants or have been on antidepressants or have family members or best friends or husbands on children on some form of suppressant. And we think that this needs a very big sit-down chat. So get out your cup of tea and I'm going to throw it over to Jane. Look, one of the reasons I wanted to suggest this was I think it rolls in beautifully from last
1: week's um, podcast where we talked about, is it okay to take medicine? And I feel there are so many beautiful people I know who are on antidepressants and they're deeply ashamed of it. And they that's one emotion. They and don't, the sec- tell, they don't t- tell you that they are, no, do they? No, deeply ashamed. It's like there's this banner that says, you're weak, you can't cope. It's almost like a mental illness kind of a stigma thing, isn't it? Yeah, like- yeah. And then the second thing is if they do share, it's like, I want to come off them, but I'm scared. I'm really scared to come off them. Yeah. And so I thought, well, let's just talk about this. Because first off, I don't want to shame anybody for doing anything in their life. But I want them to get aware of where they're at. What they're doing and give them other options that they could be doing as well. Mm. This is not instead of, this is as well. So, where in last week's podcast, I said you've got to medicate, whether it's self medication or prescription medication, you do what you've got to do to get through what you've got to get through so that you can be in a, a mindset space where you can start to do the work to heal whatever needs healing. The same applies with depression. Mm. You're taking the tablets. To be able to put you in a mindset where you're better able to have clarity and happiness and joy so that you can do the work to heal what puts you in that place in the first place. Yeah. Now, the problem is that a lot of people are told it's a chemical imbalance. You can't fix it, but you can fix it with a pill. Fucking bullshit. I'm going to do a Beck. Go, Jane. Every single thing in life is healable, fixable, changeable. Everything. Nothing stands still. It is scientifically impossible for anything to stay the same. It is either moving forwards or moving backs back. It's not standing still. And your chemical imbalance is exactly the same. It's not standing still. That's why if you are on antidepressants, you have to go back to the doctor for regular check-ins because you might need to change the tablets that you're on. Why? Because it doesn't stand still. What does that say? It's changeable. So if anything is changeable, it can be changeable in the positive or the negative. So if you believe nothing else, just believe that. And if you do believe that, then what you do is you get this medication to help you with the chemical imbalance in that moment. As it starts to work, the tablets start to work, you then have a responsibility to be owning what is it that has got you to that point in life. And what is it that you can do to change it? Now, the the, the downside is that when you take the tablets and they make you feel better, you lose the incentive sometimes to want to go back and fix what caused it because it's working. So you have to remember what it was like to be in depression, to keep the incentive to do the work so that you can come off the medication and know that you're not going to be in the same place.
0: Yes, so much to say. Off you go. Diet. I mean, every idiot knows that when you take a classroom full of kids and you stop giving them red cordial and chips before recess, all of a sudden the ADHD disappears right out of the classroom. Cha-ching. Remove all drugs, right? There's that. That is a huge thing. And look, I mean... There's sensitivity. I I had a lovely woman come to me with her son had gone into some kind of psychiatric type, psychosis type something at the age of 19 or 20 because he was drinking like... 20 red bulls a day or something, which for those, if you're not in this continent, is just energy drinks filled with aspartame and and crazy cancerous sugar and crazy stuff, which just tipped his entire body's ecosystem into probably toxic shock, to be honest. So diet, diet, diet. We all know that. There's a lot of studies on that. That's one of your first tools. Sensitivity, Jane, talk about that. Um,
1: I believe a lot of HSPs do suffer from, first off, anxiety. And um, and when you live with anxiety and you're not able to master it or manage
0: it. Like the world is too overwhelming all the time. That's and right. And that's normal. Like you've never known it not to be feel that way. Everything always comes rushing that's at That's right. And, and it, what do you do about it? It becomes too much. Mm. You
1: start to shut yourself down and so you move into depression. So you go from anxiety and overwhelmment into depression. Mm. Um, so you use the tools that we've shared about being a HSP so that you can start to live life happily as a HSP and it's completely possible as I've ranted on many podcasts about it is absolutely possible to be a very high functioning happy HSP definitely Mm. in thriving in a western world um,
0: but you need the tools. So my friend's husband who basically also went into basically a bit of a psychotic sort of episode or psychiatric, whatever, was dragged through doctors, was taken then to specialists, was taken to the institute place. They, you know, they've all got their... She finally managed to get him to a really amazing naturopath here in South Australia who took his bloods and said, mate, basically you've been low in this level and that level for the last 10 years, which was, which was his happiness, um, you know, natural oxytocin. Right. And... You know, he, he just walked out of that appointment and he turned to his wife and he said, I've been to so many doctors and not one of them gave me this answer. And all this guy's got is me on some melatonin tablets. And he's like, and I already feel so much better. And like, that's basically what happened with their journey. So again, Jane and I, uh, it's so important that you understand, especially if you are clinically depressed, you have got to, if you haven't already, seek for much deeper answers and solutions than those which are commonly westernly presented, because we're on a really narrow funnel, seemingly, of options for these well, kinds of Well, we've also conditions. got you know
1: beautiful, well-meaning GPs that are overbooked. They're stressed. They've got time frames that they've got to get a number of people through their practices in, and they don't have the time often to be able to really explore deeply what's going on with you. So you do need to get to some healing um, or, or uh, natural therapists to start drawing a bigger picture. But this is taking responsibility for your own condition and understanding that it is fixable, but you need to have insight. So go to the naturopath, as has suggested. Get your bloods done. Um, go to an acupuncturist, go to a hypnotherapist, go to a person that heals your past, go to I for counseling and coaching. You can start to really join your own dots and start to get a greater picture of who you are. Why are you depressed? And people will say, I don't know. I don't know. I can't see the wood for the trees. Really? Really ask yourself, why are you depressed? I want to know what your story is. You've got an awesome victim story. It's massive. You've told it 50 million times. It is so believable. It's so poor you and everybody hearing your victim story will believe it. But you're not doing anything about it. Wow, that's controversial,
0: but yeah. It is.
1: Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's, I, I am saying it's okay to be like this. I think there's different kinds of depression, though, too. I want to there are.
0: There absolutely that. are. There's so many. Like when Jane's not then there talking about the kid whose parents only ever fed them fast food and sent them off to school. That's a different kind of, if you're being given suppressants, for example, uh, antidepressants or medications and things. No, this is another, this is a client of mine who is clinically depressed and has been on antidepressants for
1: several years. Yes. And her original story was that um, she wasn't happy in her marriage. Um, She'd furthered herself. She'd gone on and done a university degree and was feeling superior to him. And so we worked through some shadow side work there, but she hung on to that story. She then went from that to um, my relationships not working. Then she
0: went to haven't had an affair. Then she left the home. Um, Every single one of those problems would have started in the first seven years of her life, in my opinion. And she's got to go right back. Oh, exactly. None Absolutely. Of it has got anything to do with being in her thirties, forties, or fifties? Absolutely. But this is her story that
1: she's hung on to, and she won't own. No anything else outside of this victim story. Totally. And so she is clinically depressed. Absolutely. But she's not owning the victim story to go, I created this. Mm. Where
0: has it come from? How can I fix it? I want to talk about depression today from our emotional spiritual standpoint, as this is all about life force. This is all about the natural energy, vitality in the body, and passion for life, passion for being in this body, passion for being in this reality, if you start to deplete that natural Verve effervescence in any way. Well, how do we do that? By denying ourselves, by not listening to ourselves, by not connecting with ourselves, by dishonouring ourselves, by negating ourselves, by talking ourselves down, by having traumas that we haven't dealt with. We suppress, we numb, we fold in, we hide, we suffocate, we go on autopilot, and then we start to get lethargic, we start to get listless, we start to get flat. Life has no colour. Things just don't seem to have any real buzz on them. There's no real inspiration anymore. And it's a downward spiral from there because. You are responsible for your own fucking colour. And you are responsible for your own energy in and out. You're obviously giving way too much energy out. It's draining out of every pore in your body to lots and lots and lots of causes and circumstances and people and obligations and like the victim stuff, Jane's talking. It's bleeding out of you everywhere and you have no idea how to turn it around and put it back inside yourself. This is a massive exercise in plugging into yourself, in building a relationship with yourself, in doing a cleanup job on your life, in in visiting proper practitioners who can isolate specific traumas, wounds, emotional blocks, fears, and phobias, and clean them right out of your body's memory so that you can get on with the show. And you don't actually need drugs to solve any of these problems. It's all about self-awareness, getting real, and facing your own demons.
1: I want to add, though, we're not saying, if you're on antidepressants, we're not saying, get off them and do this. On Tuesday. No. (laughs) We're saying do this work, and then as you feel that you've come to a point where you've got greater understanding of yourself, greater self-love, self-worth, self-respect, obviously not on the 100% scale, but you felt it improving, and you're starting to feel a little bit more confident in the tools that you've gathered and implemented in your life, and feel that you can... Continue to use these to build your resilience, to get back to your grasp of happiness of life. Mm, when you see the shift, Then, shifts. when you have the shift, yeah. is the time that you then meet with your medical practitioner or your whoever is your support um, for giving you the antidepressants. And you talk to them about the changes that you've made, the tools that you've gathered. And then in co- consultation with them... Because you need their advice. They know what these drugs are doing to your body and they know what's going to happen when you come off it. So they want, you need to get their wisdom on how best is it now to come off them. And then of course the next step too, I, I have helped friends when they've come off of antidepressants and I feel it's really important to have at least one person that you deeply trust, deeply trust that you can hand some power over to them in the early days of coming off of medication, to be able to say, I need you to kind of be my barometer for me. If you feel I'm not myself, I need you to be able to share with me gently and kindly what it is you're observing. Now, the reason it needs to be somebody you incredibly trust is that You don't want to give this power away to any Tom, Dick, and Harry who's decided this is a good opportunity for them to have a crack at you about something that they've held resentment for for the last 10 years. This is so not the time for that. It needs to be somebody who really adores and loves you, who also has the ability to see through your stuff and just give you some gentle, beautiful home truths if they notice that you're not yourself. Because... Sometimes we can't see the wood for the trees and we need outside person to be able to give us a bit of clarity Mm. on where we're going. Yeah, And I think that's the fear that a lot of people have when they come off of um, medication they've been on long term, is what if I revert back to where I was before? I hated my life before. I'm too scared to go there again. Now, you will have moments where perhaps you feel like you've gone 10 steps forward and then you feel like you've gone five steps back. We did a podcast recently about Mm. the power of change or something. We did. Um, have a listen to that in conjunction with this, I think. Um, and so you've got to cover off on, on your fear of coming off of them. So by starting to gather the evidence that you have made changes, that you have got more tools in your belt, that you have got a friend that you trust that is going to be gentle and care for you and support you and give you a little bit of a mirror held up, then maybe that will start to give you the confidence to be able to move towards coming off the medication?
0: Yeah, I referenced my girlfriend in last week's episode, the one who, she's been a holistic nurse, she's a naturopath, you know, aromatherapist, she's, you know, herbalist, the whole kit and caboodle. And she had... um, Basically, her story was that when she was living a very high-functioning, successful life, beautiful, big, shiny house, handsome husband, got pregnant, everything was gorgeous, bells and roses and whistles and whatever, she had her baby and she launched into horrific postnatal depression out of seemingly nowhere as these right. things come. she I remember seeing her, her skin was yellow. She looked jaundiced. She was... A shadow of she looked I mean it was horrific how bad she looked and this went on for a year and a half she could not shake this and she did end up being institutionalized she was on hardcore drugs and it took her a long time to come off them now here's a woman who has obviously a very big health and wellness background so it was challenging for her to have to be drugged up to the eyeballs but she did it because she needed to do it to get through that particular intense point she got through the intensity Um, when it came time Of course, and so let me explain all of this from an emotional point of view. What was going on, you might ask? What was going on was that she had had a horrific childhood, which she'd learnt a number of behaviours as she'd grown up in order to survive. So they were being in control, was the main one, being in control, and running. So anytime she didn't like anything as an adult, she'd just ditch it, leave it, block it, disappear. When you have a baby... There's no running. There's no running. And that was her big lesson. It's you have to sit in uncomfortableness and deal with feelings of not being able to get away from something that needs you all the time. And I mean, she actually... she And you certainly can't control a baby. She loves that baby to pieces. She actually didn't... Like, she was with psychologists who would say, wow, we actually have postnatal depressed mothers with us often who have no attachment to the baby. But she was actually very, very connected and very in love with her baby, which was lucky. The baby got a good trot out of the whole experience. But she herself would just lie in the bed. She couldn't work. She couldn't do anything. And she was just in absolute agony for quite a long time as her body reprocessed all the stuff from childhood that had never been dealt with that was all coming up for healing. And she did it. And she went. She sought out the help as well as being on the antidepressants. She sought out the help of a number of wellness and holistic practitioners during that time. And she coupled, as you do, you couple your Western and Eastern medicine and you put it all together. She did the self-work and she came out. And guess what? Of course, she's stronger than ever. She was, however, this is off the back of what Jane was saying four minutes ago, very nervous very nervous about finally coming off the last round of those antidepressants and segueing into natural, there are some beautiful natural substitutes, you might say they're not as strong and I think she was, she was worried, she's a naturopath and she was worried they won't be as effective they might not be what I need but I'm, I'm gonna, I am have to drug myself up to the eyeballs with herbs now She did it and she was absolutely fine. She was fine because she did the work and because she was very consciously aware every step of the way, I I believe. Beautiful. Um, So I just wanted to add that in because of the postnatal depression being such a thing these days as well. Yeah, it is. I also wanted to touch on um,
1: when somebody has has shared with their circle of friends, their family, their network, that they have a particular condition such as being depressed and then they come off the tablets and then 12 months later they have a fight with... friend or a husband or a sibling or whatever, and that person turns around and says, I think you need to go back on your medication. It's a really cruel thing, but unfortunately, when you've been diagnosed with a particular trait, people will throw that back in your face at the first sign of you being different to what they're used to. It's like men telling women don't be so emotional. Yes, exactly. And so I share this because... I want you to get ready that somebody will use that against you, and expect it, and don't go into panic, and just see it for what it is: as a cheap, ugly shot that they've had at you. And you know, I, I can remember being um, highly emotional and anxious when my children were young, and I took some sort of natural—it was some natural hormone, a natural. Um, Medicine to balance hormones, and it was this big thing of over forty and hormonal kind of marketing thing. And I can remember my mum saying, "I don't. Have you been taking those tablets?"
0: Like passive aggressive, you know? Really? Have you been taking your tablets, Jane? Because you're acting a bit thingy today. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Because I was firing up over a particular topic that I felt passionate about. Yeah, that's
0: an insult. So you just need to be aware that that
1: is going to happen. But it happens to everybody in life for whatever. So, um, Beck's just pointed out (laughs) on the laptop that the battery is at 88%.
0: 88%. Oh, Beck, there's a car outside the window. It's 88. No, it actually is. We're not even lying. The car parked in front of us is 88. I've got 88 on my computer. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, I'll take photos
1: and put them on the page to prove it. I know. I should, shouldn't I?
0: Um,
1: So, yeah, look, I just really wanted to share that because this is part of building a long-term resilience to being able to manage your own health, your own mindset, your own happiness, and know what the little pitfalls might be. And if you know about them, you halfway won them because you're ready for it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if you're supporting somebody who is either depressed and moving towards medication or on medication or moving towards coming off medication, then do everything you can to not shame them, not judge them, Just support them and keep asking that question. How is it you best feel I can help you?
0: I'd really like to be boring and cliched again and use meditation at this juncture and everyone will roll their eyes and be like, heard this lecture, Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't care. You're going to hear it again. Um, It's, you know, the people that come to me with the biggest problems – and I go, okay. So, when was the last time you meditated? And guess what they say? Guess what they say, Jane? Ah, uh, never. Yeah, I have a lot of trouble with that. I'm like, yeah, that's why you're here. That's why you're here, because you can't sit with yourself. You know what we're gonna do, Beck?
1: We're gonna do an episode soon. Beck is gonna take you through the two minute meditation. She's gonna make we're gonna make you do it.
0: <laughs> you can't be driving for that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a masterclass. You have to get your pens and papers out. And we're going to do all sorts of things. We are. That'll be fun. Gratitude, journaling, yep. everything. Yep. We'll we'll do, we'll... We're doing a podcast workshop. I want you to all <laughs> to squirm in your seat. Sit there and do it. Um... You know, depression, it just seems like the last thing you feel like doing when you're depressed is getting up and going for a run. The last thing you feel like doing when you're depressed is socializing. The last thing you feel like doing is starting a new business or a creative venture. The last thing you feel like doing is wearing a bright color like yellow. The last thing you feel like doing is meditating. You don't want to do anything. You want to lie on the couch in a flat horizontal position and just kind of just that. That's what, that, and I, I realize that it's a really vicious cycle and it's kind of like the chicken or the egg. If you go for a run, you'll feel better. Yeah, but I can't go for the run because I don't feel better now. And it's that whole. <sighs> One of the little things I remember,
1: because um, I've had moments where I have felt depressed. I haven't been clinically depressed where, you know, it's been sustained for a long period of time, but I've had, you know, moments where I have felt depressed and, and I remember a beautiful friend saying to me, oh, just go take your shoes off and go out in the backyard and stand barefoot in the lawn. And then I remember someone else saying, "I do pack just go down into downward dogwood downward dog downward dog is actually brilliant it's for that. fantastic, both of those EFT are fantastic as well and i when with the feet thing in the lawn, yes, that was bizarre because I actually felt instantly that an edge had been taken off um and well, it wasn't an edge because I wasn't I was bored. nature and flat. it was beautiful, but then I started um googling and researching it, and there's there's this whole movement, I don't know much about this and why I'm segueing to this, but there's this whole movement that have rods that are attached to their beds that go out into Mother Earth because we're missing a lot of um, I- uh, ions. Positive ions. In that, yeah, because we used to sleep on our backs on Mother Earth, on the nature, on lawn, on grass, on, on dirt, and that we're not getting a lot of the feel-good ions I mean, if because you, we're not connecting with the ground. I love when you this. you think about it, we don't connect with the ground. I
0: love this. We are in rubber soled shoes. Yes. We're collecting static. We're in cars, trains. Yes. We're upstairs, downstairs. we carpet, subways. tiles, floorboards. We're on planes. We, it's unreal. And there are. Whole, we don't touch nature. There are children who grow up for years in high rise cities that don't run around barefoot in backyards y- or anything like that. And what about going and dunking yourself in the ocean? There's a whole lot of people out there that never really go to the sea. And it's like. A salt bath is one of the most healing, mm. healing things you can do for every energy system surrounding your body, inside and out. Like it's just therapeutic. It's yeah. hydro- hydrotherapy. So, right now, I want everybody to take
1: their shoes off and go outside and stand on dirt or grass or lawn.
0: Yeah. Or, and it has to be ruled on. No fake stuff. No synthetic grass. And what I've done myself in the past as well is you can get, if you put your fingers into the earth, like actually knead it like dough and get it under your fingernails a bit and or lean over. and In rest. the downward dog. Do the downward, downward dog. dog. Knead, dog. Into the, knead into the, there yes. we go. We can do all three at once. foot, and, Fingers and toes wriggling in the earth. Downward dog in the grass, in the sunshine. And put your forehead down on the earth and let all of the built-up mental static in your head drain back down into, into the to ground. Go into child's child's pose beautiful yoga with nature see these things they developed for a reason and the downward dog pose is like a reset button there's lots of studies done on how if you need a quick pattern interrupt like my girlfriend who had chronic fatigue and she would lie around all day on the couch if if she could get up and do a quick downward dog it would really really help her with a little energy boost and a little little lift breathing breathing and i just want to say tapping brilliant brilliant results as well for people with um, long-term depression and chronic fatigue Mm. try tapping on youtube So if you do all of these things, if you really, really commit to
1: understanding all these little tiny gentle tools that make you feel better, you'll have the confidence to move forward through this.
0: You will. And I just please people, when you are in the depths of depression, it is going to take a hell of a lot of proactiveness, self-discipline, willpower a little bit of self-esteem, maybe confidence to just pull your finger out and do the thing which feels like the hardest thing to do, but it's going to get easier and easier and easier. I commit to the growing and understanding of myself. Thank you so much for continuing to follow us. Our show is on iTunes Australia or iTunes everywhere I imagine it's on iTunes everywhere darling iTunes (laughs) on the planet earth thank you Jane it's on speak up talk radio in the US which is probably also everywhere because the internet is like in most people's homes I think we'll find these days and we are on Facebook which is facebook.com forward slash love life show so if you follow our Facebook page we put up every week's episode so you never miss it and we have chats and discussions we share things put up photos every now and then when we feel creative and you can direct message us through there but of course lovelifeshow.com is the place to go to find out about events, to find out about coaching and counselling with Jane and I, to get the archives of all 200, what are we up to, 130 something episodes, all, all, everything is there. So if you need anything more from us, feel free to drop us a line, join the discussion and until this time next week, have fun reinvigorating your life. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it. it's just happening, and it's a beautiful thing.